0: great God you just don't start anything uh, I feel like especially in his house without thanking him and just blessing his name one writer said his praise shall continually be in my mouth it's important to have a praise uh, because he's worthy I can't start preaching about praise I got another lesson to teach but uh, it's good to start out with some praise and thanksgiving and that's how we enter in So we'll finish up today the last of our uh, lessons on uh, this series, The Fruit or the Gift of Repentance. And today we'll be talking about fruits of repentance. Matthew 3 and 8. One verse of scripture here. John the Baptist in his ministry as he was preaching. And uh, remember he was the forerunner. He was clearing a path. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And this was... The things he would say, but as he began to speak to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people of the region, he told them, Bring forth therefore fruit meat for repentance. If you read that in uh, the Aramaic, it says, Do therefore the fruits that are worthy of repentance. So it's uh, to sometimes the, the understanding that old english language people are like what does it mean to bring forth fruits meat for repentance but it, what he's saying is to do the fruits that are worthy of it there's something to do uh, once you hear the preaching of the word of god let's pray for our lesson this morning lord we love you today and thank you for your word and the instruction it gives and the life it brings thank you for understanding and wisdom Lord, help us to receive it today into good ground to learn how to better serve you and to walk in your ways. Lord, we're going to praise you for this today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. And if you'd give him another hand clap of praise before you're seated, thankful for the word of God today. Appreciate God in his word today. So the gift of repentance. We talked about that in our first lesson, the gift, that it is a gift, that it was granted to us, not something that we just, we, it's not our right. It wasn't like we were born, and because we were born, we have the right to repent. God granted repentance unto people and allowed this to come to, pl- to pass, and then we talked about God giving us a space or time to repent in other words he's long suffering once we come to the realization that we are in error that we are lost that we're in sin or that we make a mistake that that because he is long suffering and because he is patient and loves us that he gives us time to get things right and so every breath you take every time you're walking in this earth you know if, if you've got something going on in your life you have time to get things right and then we talked about last week a place of repentance where we're not like a physical location but that within ourselves we have to come to the end of ourselves and realize that I cannot continue in this fashion anymore begin to have remorse and sorrow for the way we have lived uh, and that we have shunned God in his ways and now we want to change that because repentance is not just uh, what you say, and it is definitely more than just saying, Well, I'm sorry, or asking him to forgive you. Repentance is an action, it is the turning away from things that were wrong and turning unto the things that are right. And that's why uh, John the Baptist was preaching this, and when the Jews showed up, he, he asked him, He said, Who has warned you to flee? From the wrath to come. There's something coming uh, for all of us one day, and there's a time coming on this earth that we want to miss. The scripture says we're not appointed unto wrath. God doesn't want that for us. Uh, But uh, he warned them or asked them, he said, Who has warned you to flee? And then he wanted to uh, tell them that if uh, you 're going to escape this our opening of scripture was that you need to bring forth or do the fruits that are worthy of repentance you can 't just do anything and say that 's repentance you 've got to do the things that are worthy of repentance and so repentance is not just a, though it is an act it is not a one time act, and something then you never do again it is a an action that leads to a lifestyle repentance is an act that leads to a lifestyle and so uh, they didn't put this in our lesson but as I was reading this this morning uh, when he makes the statement tells them to do this bring forth therefore fruit meat for repentance the ninth verse uh, it's like he already knows where they're going and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. It's like he knew already they were going to make an excuse why they didn't have to change. Uh, we're Abraham's seed because they they played this with Jesus in one place. Uh, same thing. And he said we're Abraham's seed, never been in bondage. and But they were always falling back to that. And while Abraham was a great man... It doesn't mean you get to live any way you want to live. Right. He said, you still have to have a life that's different than what you're doing. You've got to repent. And so before you start, before they, anybody can get a word in edgewise, John go, goes ahead, cuts them off, and think not to say within yourselves. Because a lot of people do that. When the preacher's preaching, well, he's not preaching to me. I don't have to do that. I don't have to obey that. I don't have to follow that. And he said, before you get that mindset, he said, let me tell you, if God wants to, he could raise up uh, out of these rocks, yeah. out of these rocks children unto Abraham. So uh, just because you are, say, you're Abraham's children, that does not excuse you or exclude you or give you a pass on repentance. You right. need to understand that I am expecting or God is expecting us to live a different life and to bring forth or to do the works that are worthy of repentance. So once you have repented and are now living for God, you need to do the things that God wants you to do. Uh, You don't repent of something and then live in that same lifestyle. Or you didn't really repent. Uh, True repentance is a walking away. Uh, people can live a repented life and make mistakes. So don't think that I'm saying that people are going to just be perfect and mistake-free from this point on or never do anything wrong or never upset themselves or anybody else because they will. People that have repented earnestly of their sins and and gotten their lives right with God are still subject to uh, their flesh sometimes. We're still human. We're still human and we have battles that we have to fight, but... When we repent, there'll be a change. Something's going to be different. Uh, when we repent, there's going to be uh, a different uh, outcome in your life. And we see that even in the scripture that things are different once uh, we come to God. Once we are his children, we, we see that God is, uh, and we're, we're now living a life for him. We're dead. We used to be dead in sin, but now the scripture says we're dead unto sin. And so we're living a different life. Uh, There's, uh, you know, the story of Zacchaeus in the scripture, the little short guy, and uh, he was a a tax collector and people. The Jews, his own people, did not like him because he was collecting uh, money uh, in the name of the Roman Empire and the Roman government, And, and then he had gotten evidently to a point where he was taxing them more and keeping the proceeds for himself. He was charging them much more than what was required and one day he hears that jesus is passing by and he can't see over anybody's shoulder so uh, he has to find a tree to get up in and so he climbs up in the tree and uh, he's watching the procession he sees jesus and to his surprise jesus stops and calls him to come down he said i'm coming to your house today and i think he was coming to his house in more than just a physical way he was fixed to get with Zacchaeus uh, where the rubber meets the road. He was fixed to let him know this is what's going on. But um, as Zacchaeus hurried down and, and brought him into his house, uh, before Jesus really gets to say anything, Zacchaeus starts uh, confessing the wrong he's done. He starts talking about how he has ripped off people and taxed them too much. And, and then he makes a declaration that, I'm going to start repaying these people back, uh, even with interest. I'm going to make sure they are taken care of. He, he starts repenting, and Jesus had not said nothing yet. Because you can't have contact with God without something happening. It will change you. If you get into the presence of God, you will be affected some way. It will touch you. And Zacchaeus, uh, his heart began to change instantly. When he got in the presence of the Lord, he got honest with God, he confessed what he was doing, and then he was actually excited about it. And you can tell that something really happened for Zacchaeus because immediately his lifestyle changed. He was not saying, uh, hey, it's great to have you here, just have you in my house, and hey, everybody, look, I've got Jesus in my house. He was getting things that were wrong in his life Right, and was saying, this is my plan, that I will no longer do these things, but I will do these things. I'm going to stop cheating people, and I'm going to start paying people back, taking care of them, and and making amends for the wrong that I have done. He changed his life, and that's what happens uh, when you repent. Your life has to change. There's got to be at least an effort. I realize that sometimes people... Uh, the lifestyle, maybe their end has really, uh, have, it has such a hold on them that maybe there is not a complete 100% uh, just freedom, all of a, you know, just in that instant, and now they never think of the wrong they did or they never have any problems with the addictions they had. It, it doesn't always happen all together at once, but the decision does. Yeah. And when you decide, this is what I'm going to do there's going to be at least that effort is being seen that no, I'm not going here anymore so I don't get involved in that or I'm not going to listen to that or watch that or talk like that or partake in those things or hang around that uh, crowd anymore so I don't get caught. You start taking steps to make sure you can live the life of repentance because now you realize I want to live for God. There's nothing, nothing... uh that is greater that will move a person greater than when they realize how sorry they have been. I don't mean like I'm sorry. I'm talking about sorry. You sorry. When you realize that one place the scripture says God said that after I do these things in you, he said you will loathe yourself. In other words, after you after I'm good to you even though you don't deserve it, you're going to see how good I am and you will Loathe yourself. You ever loathe anybody? You may not use that word, but uh, but you know you, to loathe you're, you're just like you're sick of your ways. You're sick of what, how you've acted. You're sick of the person you've become, and you realize there is nothing left uh, profitable in this way that you're going. And you come to the end of yourself, and all of a sudden you are in the presence of God, and you feel mercy and love and forgiveness and you can't find a rock to crawl under nowhere. You want to hide, you want to cover up, you want to, but they know getting away from it, you are right there in front of him, and instead of, you would rather hear him say, shame on you, you've done wrong, but instead he's going, I love you, I want to forgive you, I want to fix you, and it's very disturbing for us, it's very awkward and painful for us, and embarrassing and shameful for us, but once you get past that, you're going to be like Zacchaeus. You're going to start feeling joy because I didn't think it was possible for this weight to be removed. I didn't think that it was possible for this feeling to get away from me. I didn't think I would ever get out from under this dark cloud that I'm living under. But I, I didn't think nobody could love me. And yet here's God that created all things, would give his life for me so that I could live. Repentance is now my way of life, my way to life, and it will be uh, the life that I live. It will frame in the life that I live. And as born-again children of God, when we have been given the nature of Christ to the power of this, uh, you know, we're like him now. He said, "You're like me. I'm formed in you." But uh, we we quote the scripture uh, of Second Corinthians five and seventeen: "If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all behold, all things are made new." That's that, that happens at repentance. We have to have repentance in our life because nothing is new if you're not repenting. Well, I'm 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 a uh, For a person to make the statement, I am a born again Christian, but they would admit openly they have never repented. They just don't understand. I'm not saying they're trying to be some way. I'm saying they don't understand what repentance is because uh, repentance is the passing away of old things. It is the turning away of these things. And then baptism is the washing away of old things. And so there's a There's like a a two-step formula there that helps get rid of the old things. It is repentance, admitting that I want them to be gone, and then going down in the water in his name so the blood can actually cleanse you of what you were holding on to. And then when you come up, you are washed, and those things are passed away, and now you're walking in newness of life. And when he fills you with his spirit, now you have become a new creature. Because once you were a person who did not have the Spirit of God, but now you do have the Spirit of God. And so it takes Christ. He said, Behold, I make all things new. Until he's there, he will, uh, you cannot have all things new. And he will not dwell in a house, an unrepented house. He will knock on the door. But until we make the decision to open the door and let him in, and then hear that conversation. There's so much that falls along to me. I think about him actually coming in to sit down to sup with me. And then immediately I go to Isaiah where he said, Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Come let us reason together. Let's talk about what's got to happen here. There's got to be some blood applied. There's got to be some changing of what you're doing. So so we realize that we must repent of our sins. And then we must live in a repented way if we are going to have this Uh, walk with him and and even having this new birth does not eliminate us and it does not help us to fully escape the the pull toward old things. You're not out of the woods yet. You have power over the woods but you're not out of them. Uh, There was a scripture I thought of studying this, Proverbs 12 and 26 and I've always tried to remember this scripture to apply and remember about myself is that it says the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor. Now we're not righteous except through the faith in Christ. So once we've come to him, the righteous, once we are his children, once we are born again, the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor. It says, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. If you think that the enemy is going to give up just because you made a decision to live for God, if you think your flesh is going to stop fighting the spirit just because you made a decision to live for God, it's going to keep battling. There's going to be that war inside yourself. There's going to be a war in your flesh. And we will never be exempt from temptation. Uh, when Cain uh, killed, uh, was about to kill Abel and he was struggling, the Lord told him, said, sin lies at the door. It's right there. It's, it's like it's waiting to jump on you if you give it an opportunity. You open the door to this and something's going to get on you. And so uh, you know, maybe that's why we pray in, our, in the Lord's Prayer. You know, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And actually the other translations say from the evil one. And so that there's something out there trying to get you be sober or vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth go about seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy in, in the spirit world. We have an enemy in the flesh. We have uh, to get over ourselves. And all these things, if you think that, well, God washed that away from me, if it was uh, you know, some kind of addiction and, and he forgave me and that's been washed away, you hang around where that stuff's available, you'll be tempted again. And you keep hanging around it long enough and you'll give in to it again. Don't you do that. You lead a repented life and you stay away from the things that God delivered you from. You know, the, the, the proverb says that a sow that is washed returns to the wallowing in the mire. The only way to keep that pig clean is to lock it up in the house. Because uh, it's in that nature to find the dirtiest place they can go. And let me tell you something, if that pig gets in the mud, I don't care if you just washed it, in just a few minutes it's going to be filthy again. And even when we are washed, the Bible says I need to keep my garments unspotted from the world. I can get myself in a place where things from this world can attach itself to me, get on me, uh, cause a stain on this robe of righteousness that Jesus has given me. I need to make sure that I am uh, living in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. The Bible says mortify the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit. Uh, You can't live a repented life without the Spirit. You can repent, but if you don't get the Holy Ghost, it's going to be harder and harder for you to live your life for God. You need the Holy Ghost uh, inside of you so it can lead you into all truth and be there with you so you can build yourself up and be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So we must be constantly aware that our flesh, you know, that's why I always say be careful because when you see somebody make a mistake and you're quick, and if you're quick to say, oh, yeah, well, hey, that could be any one of us. If we don't keep ourselves in the right place, you'd be surprised where you find yourself. Uh, You know, the rich young ruler, or not the rich young ruler, but the prodigal son left, like a rich young ruler, he left with all of his inheritance and he went out thinking I've got what it takes to succeed in the world. But once you get away from the father's house and begin living a different life and you don't actively uh, keep those things where they're going to take care of you, you all of a sudden he was no more inheritance. Even though he was still that father's son, his inheritance was now gone. And he found himself feeding swine. And wanting to eat the husk that the swine ate, he was, he, "How did I get here?" And his repentance did not leave him in the pig pen. When he got ready to repent, when he came to the end of himself, when he realized, in my father's house, even the servants are doing better than this," said he came to himself, and he got up and started making his way. He started putting distance between him. And the hog pen and the mud hole and all the things. He started walking back to the place where everything was better. And he could say all day long, I'm sorry, standing knee deep in mud. And he will still be knee deep in mud until he walks out, until he makes a decision to get away. He is still serving the swine. And so it's sad for people to think that repentance is all in just what they say and not what they do because they say these things and they're amazed that they're still knee-deep in filth. But until we make a a decision to walk out, even David said, I was in a horrible place in the miry clay and he brought me out of that. He, He loves me, but he did not leave me there and I cannot stay here. He had to put me on the rock, on the solid rock and uh, then establish my goings. You've got to put distance between you and the pit you are in. That's what repentance is about. And so if we live a life of repentance, if there is fruit that can be seen, if we are trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, then there is fruit that people can see. And I'm not just talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about are you living different uh, than you did prior to your conversion? Because if you're not, you were never really converted. And so there's got to be a change. You cannot uh, just line up with this world. You've got to, and that's a decision that's got to be made. And if people say, well, I don't know, I kind of like living for the world, then you're going to have a hard time living for God. Because you cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate one and, and cling to the other. And let me tell you, when it's usually like that, I'll tell you which one people cling to. They cling to the world because that's the wide path. That's where everybody's going and they want to be with the crowd and they want to hang out with the group, that's the big group and things like that instead of sticking with the narrow way, living what God wants you to live. You can't do both. You can't serve two masters. A house divided can't stand. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You will never have any peace uh, when you only treat God as your uh, emergency kit, uh, he, my first aid kit, He's my uh, my shot that I take in case I get in trouble. He's you know I get stung by the world and He's my Benadryl shot. You know that's that's the way people that's the way people treat Him. It's not that's, it's not going to work and He and He and He's going to allow you to go on in that. He's not going to grab you and force you to serve Him. But all the joy that comes with living in a repented life. Man, the peace that you have knowing that you are uh, doing what God wants you to do, that you've got back in favor with him, that's, that there's nothing like it. So don't think, I'm fine. Paul even said, I know that within myself dwells no good thing. I know that left to my own devices, I will not walk the right path. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but to the end there is a way of death. Well, the wages of sin is death. Cause you know what he's saying? That the way that man chooses will be sin every time. When he follows his flesh, it will be sin every time. It will never, ever be uh, the will of God. We need to listen to the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and do what the Spirit says for us to do. Every action has a consequence. It doesn't matter... Uh, Obedience, it has consequences, good ones. And disobedience has consequences, not so good ones. Galatians 6 and 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's true. Whatever you sow, you will reap. It doesn't change once, you're, once you've obeyed Acts 2.38. It doesn't change. Once we have come to him and repented of our sins, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, then we still uh, live a life. and Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And so I, I don't want to be sowing things that's going to bring bad stuff in my life. I want to live my life for him. All actions bear fruit. It has been said that if we sow a thought, that we will reap an action. If we sow an action, then we reap a habit. If we sow a habit, then we reap character, and if we sow a character, then we reap a destiny. And so everything you do just compounds and builds one on the other. There's a progression uh, to sinful action that results in fruit springing up from that action. In James 1, 14 and 15, it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so disobedience will bear fruit just like repentance does. We need to make sure that uh, we are repenting and then living a repented life. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. That means whenever I come to Him, I need to let Him consume. The things, you know, the Bible, the Holy Ghost is newness of life. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost. Jesus came to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. In other words, I came to consume. You know what people burn? They burn things that they're not going to use. You know, we, we'll, we'll cut a tree down, we'll burn it. But you know what people do? They, they also burn trash. They burn uh, Pallets. Hell, nobody uses them anymore, so they burn pallets. Hey, these are not any good anymore. Let's burn them. When things are no longer of any use, they burn. You know what's good? that's good for? Burning. It's good for burning. It's good for getting rid of it. And you know what? Jesus said every tree and branch that doesn't bring forth fruit is only fit for the fire. And so I ought to make sure that I am living and, and doing fruit, doing the things that are meat for repentance And so when we refer to the fruit of repentance, we are identifying the outward visible impact of a heart that has been changed. Now it is uh, changed so it can serve the Lord. And when we encounter Christ for the first time, there should be a noticeable change. You cannot experience a visitation from God and it not have an impact on your life. When Jacob uh, encountered the Lord in angelic form, he walked away with a limp and a new name. When Saul, the proud persecutor, encountered the Lord, he walked away blind and humbled. And when the professional prophet Isaiah encountered the Lord, he immediately began to repent and then made himself available in service as never before. God was taking care of, of business with them, and they were taking care of the business that, that he had going on. In John 15 and 2, uh, said, Jesus said, Every branch ye in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Every branch in me, that's us, we're the branch yeah. right there. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away in him. What happens when you're in him? You're a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He said, every, what he's saying is every new creature in me that will not bear fruit, that is not. What fruit is he talking about? Not just the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, things like that, and love and joy, those things, but he's talking about the fruit of repentance. If you are now in me, the Bible says if if uh, if we claim Christ and we and we, we, we speak Christ and depart from iniquity. If we name the name of Christ and depart from iniquity. And uh, so he's saying once you're a new creature in me and you're not bearing a fruit, then he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it so it can bring forth more fruit. So the way to stay fruitful is to stay with him, but... Once you become a new creature, you don't get to do what you want to do. You live your life for Him. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing. There is nothing like living your life for God. There is nothing like having Him on your side. His mercy new every morning. His benefits that He loads you with daily. There is nothing like living for God. But let me tell you, we live in a world today that needs to understand that God is not just going to be treated like the second choice. And shame on us if we ever treat him like that. He is not. He is first. He said, you can have no other gods before me. He has got to be first and foremost in our life. And in this world today, God is an afterthought because they think of the afterlife. And they think, well, I don't have to worry about God till I'm dying. You better worry about him now because our life's a vapor. We don't know when it's going to pass away. So you live your life for God every day. And, hey... God may tarry another 100 years. And if he does, some of us, may we won't be here. But let me tell you, I don't care how young you are. You think, man, this is a daunting task. No. People have lived and endured their life for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, living their life for God and enjoyed every bit of it, serving the Lord with gladness and, and having the benefits of God in their life. It's not a burden to live for God, and, and it's not a, a hard to do the things that he wants us to do. It's just different. And you've got to be okay with being different. Because if you can't be okay with being different, he can't work in your life. Because Jesus will make you different. He will never make you fit in with the world. He will always cause you to stand out. And if you're not okay standing out, I was talking about you've got to make a public show everywhere you go. I'm not advocating jumping up on tables in restaurants and screaming things and, or anything like that. I, nothing like that. I don't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, but your life will be lived different. You will be swimming against the stream of this world, and people will notice that you're walking in a different direction. Especially, we got our got some of our colleges you know, on that campus. I can tell you, there's a flow going one way, and it seems like we got very few that want to go the, the other way. Because I believe I went to school on that campus. I know how that campus operates. And I know what goes on. And I know how this, this town pulls at young people to pull them into places. And, and they are worried about how old they are or what they, where they come from or how, how young they are. They don't care. They just want to peddle their goods and push their lifestyle on all these young people that come here. So I'm thankful that we've got the field, and I'm thankful that we've got the way, and I'm thankful we've got these college ministries that are telling kids, you can live different in this life, and you can live a life that bears fruit, meat for repentance. Live the life that God gave you, not the one that the world uh, that you were born into. So uh, when we uh, have these things, we uh, we become free from sin once we repent. And now we... Uh, we can walk and talk and live like he wants us to live. In Romans, um, I think, it was chapter 6, the whole uh, chapter there, Paul is dealing with uh, being buried with him in baptism and walking in his life. But in verses 20 through 23, uh, he, he puts in here that uh, uh, basically what he says, now we're free from sin. But he says, when you were the service of sin, you were free from Righteousness. What fruit, what, what what were you producing then in those things that you are now ashamed of? The end of those things are death. The fruit that you had before Christ ended in death, but now being made free from sins and become service to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. There is a difference in the fruit. For the wages of sin is death and the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Paul is saying there are two different lives. There's the life you live pre-Jesus, and then there's, and you ought to be ashamed of that life. And then there's the life that you live with Jesus now, and you ought to be thankful that now you are free from things that will only kill you. you. Now being made free from sin, because the wages of sin is death, you should have your fruit unto holiness. Oh, we don't like people talking about holiness, but this is what the Lord's saying. He said, Now you're holy because I am holy. You be holy because I'm holy. Live your life holy unto me. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, this is the expectation of someone who has been saved. People like to say, I'm saved. Well, that's the reasonable expectation of someone who has been saved from sin, that they would now live their life as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable unto God, not to the world, but acceptable unto God. Is what I'm doing, and this is just a good test. You're about to, somebody ask you to go somewhere? Would that be acceptable to God? They want you to watch this. Would that be acceptable to God? They want you to hear this. Would that be acceptable to God? Hey, take a t- taste of this. Would that be acceptable to God? Hey, hey, just come, with, come, come here with me. Would that be acceptable to God? What a, what a Let me tell you, that test don't ever fail. It don't ever have any uh, misreads or inconclusive results. It's black and white. And you can, you can look at it and, and, hey, we're all going here. You ought to come on and go with us. Would God be pleased? Is that acceptable to God? That sure sounds like old-fashioned living, Pastor. Well, it might just take old-fashioned living to get us to heaven. How about that? It may just take us realizing that God still means what he said when he said, come out and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. That doesn't mean that we, again, I'm not saying we're going to build a A big walled compound around this place, and we're all going to live in here, and and uh, you know we just go can't marry nobody except the ones in these four walls, and and all the ones that's married going, and you 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 can't you, you got to we're not a cult, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And so uh, if we're not of it, we should not look like it, act like it, partake of the things that they've taken. That doesn't mean that uh, you can't have fun. That doesn't mean that you can't. Man, I, I enjoy things. We have a great time here in this church. We have a wonderful time. We do things. We go on trips. And, but you can go places without partaking of the evil. Now, for somebody that says, oh, okay, I'm going to Nickel Night downtown, that's not what I'm talking about. No, you stay out of places that promote drunkenness and and lewdness and things like that. You stay away from the atmosphere. You you know, you got common sense. You know what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, there's some people that think, man, if you step out of your room, you're just going to get hit with sin. It don't have to be like that. I believe you can go and watch a football game and you'll be all right. I believe you can go and, and, and. Watch NASCAR. Watch race cars if you want to. If that's your thing about watching cars run around in a circle, that's up to you. Uh, you know, I believe you can deer hunt or fish without sinning. You know, it's. Uh, and so I, I'm not saying that you can go to Florida and you can go to the beach and keep your clothes on. You can do things. You don't have to uh, participate in all the, the the craziness in this world. You can be apostolic, saved, born again, Holy Ghost filled wherever you go. And so, uh, and it's a great, and it's not so we can walk around like, hey, look at me. Uh, No, we're just lights shining in the world. You hear a light making noise, something's wrong. It's about to blow. You hear a bulb start, you know, something's up. I I don't want no bulb. And so light's not here about, we're not just trying to make noise with a light. Sometimes it's just that, just look at what, just follow me. I'm let, why do you let them bring the question to you? Then you can respond. You know, it's uh, when you're living in this world. Live born again. Five minutes. And I, I, I'm gonna, I think I'll be done. I should be done. I'm going to do my best to be done. But this is the life. Because, again, we're all still going to battle with things. Things are going to pull. It may not have even come knocking on your door yet but there's something that's going to come try to get you something you know when it talks about that lion you know you ever y'all just study sometimes look up and read about how lions hunt you know that almost every animal they catch and eat the lion is slower than that animal just about every one they're they're slower but they're patient they're experts at hiding and they'll blend in and just lay around. I watched a video of this guy. He was showing, he said, watch, watch this video of this lion. And this lion was laying there and he was watching this water buffalo or one of them animals over there. And he just, and he would look at him and he would inch a little bit. When that animal would look, the lion would look the other way. It's like, I ain't paying you no attention. And he'd keep on drinking. He'd scooch a little bit farther. And then he got close enough because they have real incredible burst of speed. They're not fast in the long run. That's why you, if you watch them videos and you see that little gazelle take off, you know he's getting away. Because that lion, uh, they're strong and powerful, but they, they ain't got much for endurance. You know, they, they ain't like that cheetah. But they got incredible. And so you know, that animal thinks everything's fine and then... Whoosh, look at y'all jumping. That's how quick... And that, and that thing's latched on gotcha and I saw it when it was way over there but I just kept ignoring it and it just kept getting closer and closer and before I knew it it had me and that, that's why I say you, you keep putting distance between the things that can kill you. you once you live in this repentant life you start walking away from the things that can get you because you, you, it would just like that gotcha I want to try it one more time. See if gets... Gotcha. I ain't gonna do it again. Everybody's tensed up. Now you can, you can relax. You can relax. And so, you know, reading. I got. I got to cut through here. The the apostolic church, the church that was born on the day of Pentecost, was all about change. Peter preached to the devout men from every nation. And Jesus had already told them, he said, this is what you're going to preach in my name, beginning at Jerusalem. And so when he had preached his message to a group of people who were not, uh, who did not like change, the Jews did not like change. And so, but it, they came to a point when he brought the revelation, this same Jesus that you have crucified is both Lord and Christ. And suddenly it's, it's going through the minds of people that he was Christ and all he did, you know, now that I think about all he did was heal some people, cast out devils, uh, perform miracles, forgive people, show people love, preach good things. Why did we kill him? And it said, they were pricked in their heart. What shall we do? And it said, uh, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it says that that day, 3,000 people gladly received the word and they were baptized. And, and then it says, and when you read on down, and then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Uh, they stayed with that message. They realized this is the message that changed me and I'm going to stay with the message that changed me. I'm going to stick with this. And so, uh, you know, it, it was all about change. He, he didn't say, well, just keep doing what you're doing. Y'all children of God, you know, you're God's people, you're Israel, everything's fine. He told even Israel... You've got to repent, turn around, start living a life and believing in Christ that has died for your sins. So uh, we see that the message of repentance is not a message of hopelessness. It's, a, it's the message of, uh, it's the answer for life. How do I get out of this? Repent. Peter didn't say, hey, come on, let's get in the water and I'll tell you about it. First off the bat, repent. Because that's the opening to the answer. That's the opening the, of the door to a new life is repentance. And so repentance uh is something that we must have. Repentance that yields fruit only when God is allowed to work in us is not uh, or repentance that yields fruit only works when God is allowed to work in us and not when we are just trying to appease a guilty conscience. Honey, you can come to the music this morning. That's uh that's the way you see a lot of people, they they treat repentance as, well, I just need to clear my conscience. And they, they show up, you know, at service just when they need to feel better. And they're not committed to their lifestyle. There was a story of a, a, a guy that uh, he, he used to love to smoke a pipe. And he just all the time had that pipe, you know. But he knew it was bad for him, but he, he just he couldn't get rid of it. But when the tent revivals would come to his town, he, man, he would go and he would get a little sorry, and he'd throw that pipe out in the cornfield on the way home. And then a little while later, next day, he'd be out there walking through the cornfield looking for his pipe. And I, I remember before I came to the Lord, I remember things like that. I would be trying to quit I know some of y'all can't even imagine, but I used to chew tobacco and dip snuff, and uh, I would throw that snuff, or that tobacco, in, my, in the garbage by my trailer door where I worked up there at Marshalls, and um, I'd be like, that's it, that's the end of it. Next day, I'd get to work. It wasn't like they put food garbage in, so it was only like papers and stuff. I'd look down at the bottom; that'd be that pouch. I'd pull it out, couldn't take it quit for a little while, couldn't stand it. And that's the way some people treat repentance like it's just, uh, you know, I know I need to do better and do that, but then they just write back into it. But repentance is when you really have a change. And it's so hard for just people to change. You need God to help you change. You need the Holy Ghost. You need Him in your life. You need His Word. You need fellowship with the body. You need, you need a preacher in your life because preaching produces faith and so i'm not just trying to pat my calling on the back i'm telling you that we all need a preacher in our life to produce faith in us and anyway this old man one day it said that the apostolics came through town the pentecostal revival was going on and he came in and did like he always did he he come in ready to repent and he did got down there but people began praying with him and something broke and and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he was baptized that night. and And he said on the way home, said he threw that pipe out in that cornfield, and he never went back. As when you get a real encounter with God, it'll keep you. And I can now that's something I can testify about because it, since January the thirteenth of nineteen ninety three, this has been the life I've lived. Because when you get a real encounter with God, Brother Paul, it'll keep you. It didn't mean I had oh. 23 years is littered with uh, regrets and mistakes of things that i didn't get right but i'm gonna tell you something that nothing ever made me want to walk away from living for god and so that's the good thing about repentance is that it's a life and you learn that hey i can ask god to forgive me and he will and he'll the bible says if we confess our faults he's faithful to forgive us so i'm thankful today that i can just say lord i'm sorry you know that's not who i am I'm your child and that's not the way I want to live and forgive me and he will forgive you. Let's stand this morning and lift our hands to the Lord and let's just thank God that for this gift of repentance. We've learned so much about it over the last four weeks. Aren't you thankful that God granted us repentance? What joy it can bring and what a life it can bring to us. God, we praise you and thank you. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to to not just receive this gift but to open this gift apply it to our life Lord and while you're providing a, a space for us to repent we'll find a place inside of us and then Lord after this we'll walk in your ways walk in your word and serve you with gladness Lord I know that we're going to make mistakes and I know we're going to slip and fall but though a good man fall he shall not be utterly cast down and I'm thankful for the promise in your word today Help us to live a life of repentance in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. What a great God we serve. (laughs) Hallelujah. So thankful for the word of God. And I tell you, I'd rather live this life than anything I know. I've, I've lived on both sides of the fence. I like this side. I like where I'm at now. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Expecting God to do some great things. God bless you this morning.